on the set. Okay, everybody, quiet on the set. Scene one, take ten, Marker. Studio of WHUPLP Hillsboro. Welcome to Murmur. My name is Robert Malazzo. Over the next hour together, we'll explore where culture meets craft. Today on Murmur, the actor from scratch, actor Jeff Bridges, is with us. Welcome. Murmur. Welcome back to Murmur. My name is Robert Malazzo. I am the founder of the Modern School of Film. With you every week live, whupfm.org, but evergreen via murmurradio.com. That's M-U-R-M-U-R radio. It's a lot of R's. Murmurradio.com. Social handles at MSF Murmur. At MSF Murmur. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, yeah, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, four times a month, man, it's all happening, Murmur Radio, on a cozy day, hope you're cozy where you are, welcome. Today on the show, Jeff Bridges. <laughs> five years in the making. And not to bore you with the five-year story, but if you listen to the episode I did recently of Murmur Meta with Dan Ariely, I talk a little bit about that I, start, I started inviting Jeff Bridges five years ago. Now, Murmur is only two years old, not quite. It's about a year and a half years old. But I do a, a series through the Modern School of Film, and I emailed Jeff five years ago. He's one of the first people I emailed super busy actor, always gracious with my asks. And we have him here, my friends. So having an actor, which is rare, actors are the hardest to have on sh- on shows in general because their schedule shifts. And they're, you know, they're, they're workers in the sense that they don't create work. But that's a little bit of the prelude for today's talk, the idea of an actor as an artist, the alchemy I don't. I find speaking about acting to be slightly boring. Like speaking in midair about the, the idea of acting, I think it's overthought, overspoken. So I want to look at acting a little differently. Since we have Jeff, an accomplished actor, who's not just an actor; he's a photographer. 
He is a musician. He's a singer. He takes these amazing panoramic photos. He's uh, on all his projects. He's a potter. P-O-T-T-E-R, Potter, yes. He is a philanthropist. Oh, yes, and he's an actor. So I want to talk a little bit about how all those logarithms serve his work. And I'll try to stay away from craft today because I want to look at the art and the human quotient of acting. They're human beings, (laughs) after all. I get a little tired and worn down talking about actors because I think I'm at a time in my life and my understanding of things that I think we look to actors in a sort of jaundiced way, socially, in terms of media, in terms of celebrity. So I want to get a little bit more back to basics with Jeff in terms of the art of the actor, because acting is an art. But much like any actor, writer, singer filmmaker, documentarian, painter, photographer, they feed their craft in other artistic ways, one being the art of life, something we've covered a lot on the show and recently with Tony Bourdain, but also being an articulate, multifaceted artist as Jeff is, I wanted to talk to him about how those serve into his art. I also want to talk to him about his life. He has a fascinating life. I don't want to do this as your life. That's not fun for me. At least it's not stimulating for me, with all apologies. But he has a unique pedigree. His mother and father were both accomplished actors. Uh, Lloyd Bridges, the more celebrated because he was you know, a TV star and then a movie star. And his mom was a great stage actress and a, and a poet. And I want to talk to Jeff about his mom, in a, in a, someone who maybe doesn't get mentioned enough in, in the history of Jeff's art. So let's bring it up today. Shout out to mom. Uh, Jeff's first screen, it's funny, Jeff started acting before he knew he was an actor and then decided very late that he was an actor. He was two years old when he was first on screen in a film called The Company She Keeps. He played infant at train station. You remember that role. Uh, and then, you know, onward. And it, it wasn't until he did a TV version of I believe it was made for TV version of The Iceman Cometh, the Gene O'Neill play that Frankenheimer, John Frankenheimer directed, underrated filmmaker, that that Jeff decided, he calls it late in his life, he was still in his early 20s, that he wanted to be an actor. So I want to look at acting through a different crucible. Jeff has other parts of his life that he owes, I would say, oh, we're talking talk to him about this owing, this quid pro quo or non quid pro quo of an actor's life. But, you know, it's funny. He met his wife while he was making a film. 1975, he made a film with Sam Waterson called Rancho Deluxe, shot in Montana. And his wife at the time was a, I believe she was waiting tables. And through Jeff's persistence and I'm sure charisma and smile, uh, he won her over. They married. And it's funny, again, gateway drug to gateway drug. His wife, a belated uh, believe it was bladed wedding gift got Jeff a, a panoramic a wide lux camera that served him well so you know these dominoes are always tripping and I think for actors it's always an it, they always see themselves far differently than the public does I think it's one of the the, the real magic or voodoo of acting or mystery of acting. That's why I said there's so much of it is, is so alchemical. It goes beyond craft. And I want to go beyond craft today with Jeff. 
I think actors, by and large, see themselves so differently than we see them. And I think in both high and low ways, in the sense of some see themselves as more fascinating than we see them. Some see them as far less fascinating. We'll talk to Jeff about this. But I'm always interested, and I perceive Jeff to be this kind of figure, is acting a social craft and action, or is it an antisocial craft and action? And every actor will look at this differently. I think artists that that are cocooned and a film set and a rehearsal room and the theatrical stages are cocoons of a kind. Any actor or or creative person who cocoons themselves sees their their desire to be social or antisocial in unique ways. I perceive Jeff to be a social guy. Again, I don't know him. That's the thing. This thing about seeing an actor work, we feel like we know these actors, these artists. We'll get to know Jeff a little bit. So the idea of Jeff being built as an actor, but that building of the actor and the craft of acting is no different than the photographer builds him or herself, or the painter builds him or herself, or the poet builds him or herself, or the musician builds him or herself. Now, fortunately, Jeff is all these things, and that's why I think it's it's a really cool opportunity to have an actor who's an actor plus, <laughs> you know, a silly little uh, bit of syntax. We always, when an actor step out of the, of, of the role we put them in, the role of the role, we think they're these sort of wunderkind, multifaceted actors. But being a painter and an actor is still being an actor. <laughs> You're not an actor-painter all of a sudden. <laughs> so I think there's a lot to get to here with Jeff today. Uh, five years in the making. How, where does the five-year years go. Uh, let's see how much we can get in with Jeff. He's always super busy. I think he's rehearsing something now, a film, his next film. So today on Murmur, Jeff Bridges, covering things of an acting and a non-acting social and an anti-social nature. Uh, Jeff Bridges coming up now this. The Dick Cavett Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Dick Cavett. My guest flew all the way from Tahiti to be here tonight, which sets some kind of record, I think. I'm very honored to have him here. You have uh, caught glimpses of him in the past as Stanley Kowalski in Streetcar Named Desire, Zapata in Viva Zapata, Mark Antony in Julius Caesar, Terry Malloy in On the Waterfront, Vito Corleone in The Godfather, and uh, Paul in Last Tango in Paris. Uh, he despises superlatives. Uh, he's often been called the best actor in America or in the world, but I want to downplay that tonight because I, I want him to be happy. Will you welcome, please, Mr. Marlon Brando. Why do you downgrade acting as a profession? What? I say, why, why do you downgrade acting as a profession oh, over the years? Uh, what makes you think I do? Uh, well, I've read it in the press. <laughs> You know what I mean, though you've said over the years, uh, well, it's not a fit profession for a man. Uh, in an effort to, uh, to help your ratings, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll maybe say something. I think that uh, we couldn't survive a second if we weren't able to act. That, uh, that acting is a, is a survival mechanism, and uh, it's a social ungent, and it's a, a lubricant. Uh, and we act to save our lives, actually, every day. Uh, people lie constantly 
every day by not saying something that they think or saying something that they don't think or showing something that they don't feel or trying to give the appearance of feeling something that they don't don't actually I said that didn't I yeah but that's not acting that is acting that is no it isn't yes it is but you know what I mean you, when you're what you frightened do on the or when you're you know, nervous huh? when you're frightened and nervous uh, in in this chair uh, you're distressed or uncomfortable or you're very angry yeah you control your face you're a highly controlled person you say that that's acting that's not i'm motivated at that moment to do that and i can do it and uh, i suppose there's a guy here that i think is a schmuck uh, is a bore and <laughs> i can act like he's interested for a time i'm motivated by that but if you wake me up at nine or eight the following morning and say do that same performance before a camera and then do it again and again i can't some people can some people do it wonderfully. I won't hear of the fact that what I do is, what you do is no more than what I do. Well, that isn't true. If you're working for an ad agency and you hate the guy that, uh, the idea man, the boss, and you know that every time he comes in with some impossible notion, something that really makes you gag when you drive home on the freeway, you know damn well that you're not going to get a raise or you're not going to get it shifted out of the position that you're in if you don't say, Leonard, I think that's terrific. Yeah. <laughs> it's just beautiful. And you even lean forward, put your elbows on to show enthusiasm and you get a face for it and you do it day after day after day in order to survive in your job. But if you had to do and the line, Leonard, I think that's terrific six times and get something deeper and better into it time huh? after time, that takes an actor. What did you say? I, I, I said, those are one-time things where you have an immediate motivation. No, they're not one-time things because it's a daily procedure. Yeah, but the dialogue changes all the time, but, but you're able the to take The dialogue changes, it. but the motivation doesn't. Are you saying that I could play any role you can play as well as you can? <laughs> well, uh, that might not be true, but I don't think that, that uh, I could play some roles as well as you could play them.
about the changes in moving picture arts. You know, we talk about cinema and TV changing. I don't think we talk often enough about acting changing. Is it changing? I think the short answer is yes and no, but we need a long answer. So we need a philosopher. Uh, we have, we, <laughs> that laughing philosopher is someone that Ethan Cohen once said is always asking questions, which by definition makes him a philosopher. But he's also a musician, a painter, a potter, a photographer, a philanthropist. Oh, and he's also an actor. Uh, Pauline Kael once wrote that Jeff Bridges may be the most natural and least self-conscious screen actor who ever lived. If he has a profile, we're not aware of it. Well, thankfully, I am. Please welcome Academy Award winner to the Modern School of Film and to Murmur Radio, the star of the yin and the yang of Mr. Go, Mr. Jeff Bridges. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the show, man. Robert. Hola. Hola. Hey, Alfredo. Hey, how, are, how are you, man? I'm all right. How are you doing? Hey, man, thank you for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Looks like you've got an interesting thing going here. We're only as good as our guests, so thank you so much, man. Thank you. Thanks for the welcome. Yeah. Well, are you a philosopher? I'm all right, man. Are you a philosopher? I don't know. I don't take myself too seriously. Well, you know, history does. And I want to talk a little bit about acting style with you and, and substance and, and actually start in a shorter view and, and mushroom out a little bit. And I was thinking about, uh, you said you decided late in your career you wanted to be an actor. I think you located it around 1973, uh, working with John Frankenheimer on Iceman Cometh. Was it that? Was that a pivot point in sense of, you know, I, I, I want to be an actor. I think this is the path I want to follow. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, I, 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 I uh, was very, uh, you know, lucky with su- success kind of early on in my career. And uh, I did have a, uh, a resistance to the whole thing, though. I think uh, a lot of it had to do with my parents. Uh, my dad... Uh, unlike uh, many actors, really um, loved all the aspects of showbiz and encouraged all his kids Mm. to go into it. And, you know, what kid wants to do what their parents want them to do? (laughs) That's a surefire way for them to not do something, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, and 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 the whole whole nepotism deal and all that. I was, oh, man, I don't know if I want to do it. But, uh and you know, and the t- the tough thing about you know for actors is getting those getting the gigs, you know. Yeah. And my father, uh, you know, he had that TV show in the '60s called Sea Hunt. Yeah, I recall. <laughs> so some you know eight year old kid in there is probably going to be me. You know, my dad would say, "Hey, come on, you know, you know, you get to get out of school, come to work with dad and do this part." I oh yeah. <laughs> said, come on, you make a little money, you know, get out of school. I said, okay. Right. So that's kind of how it, you know, how it started. Well, I, you know, it's funny. I want to, I'm going to blame, uh, jo- jokingly blame your mom a little bit too, because you once said your mom, who was an actress in her own right, uh, you, you once called her your first acting teacher. Is that still something uh, you, you you find when you think of your mom? Yeah, she was, uh, you know, I could do this whole interview uh, about my mom. I mean, she was just a remarkable woman 
she um, did something with all of her kids called time. And what time was, was for an hour a day, each of her kids would get undivided her undivided attention. She wouldn't take any calls or anything. She would do whatever that kid wanted her to do with them, you know. And you know, it was uh, you know, okay, mom, you're the you know the space monster. I'm the uh, or or you're no, I'm probably the other way around. <laughs> you're the astronaut. You got to get in under the kitchen table, and I'll be the space monster, you know. Or how cool. Or we'll go into your 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 makeup, and I want to make you up like a clown. And you know, we, she encouraged all kinds of you know creativity, and uh, we would put on plays and all that you know that kind of thing. Well, it's funny, you know, your mom. History tells us your mom and your dad studied were, were slight devotees of Michael Chekhov. Uh, oh, yeah. And very much so. Not, we're not slight, I would say, you know. Very much so, yeah. 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 In, in, and I was thinking about Chekhov a little bit. Um, Michael Chekhov, not Anton Chekhov. Michael Chekhov, who was a disciple of Stanislavski. And Michael, uh, and this is something I think Stella Adler beat the drum on too, that Michael um, seemed to favor creativity. He, he once said that uh, you should be conscious of radiating that you should radiate being an artist, and that fed into your acting. I find that a lot of acting coaches separate creativity from acting, and I never got that. You know, to me, it's one and the same, right? A vivid life yeah. leads to being a vivid actor. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Michael Chekhov, I remember the big thing, and uh, and this is something I really learned from, the, probably the most important thing I learned from my dad uh, was nothing that you, nothing really no not in words but just experiencing working with him mm. and I think this came from Michael Chekhov as well is that love was such an important ingredient hmm. to my father and to and from what he learned from uh, from Chekhov and uh, that feeling of um, camaraderie with all the other artists you're working with and uh, remember my my father I, I got to work with him as a kid, you know, but when I, I got to work with him as an adult in a couple of movies, and uh, I can remember uh, him coming on, you know, I think the, maybe the first thing as an adult was um, uh, Tucker with, you know, Francis Coppola. Coppola, yeah, of course. And my dad would come on the set, and he loved of, of what what we were all uh, about. Mm. That, that was kind of contagious, and it spread. You could just feel it spread through the through the company and everybody would say, oh yeah, you know, this is kind of fun what we're doing. You know, it's mm. it's almost like, uh, you know, advanced play when you're a kid, you know. Mm. You get all the cool kids, you get the cool gear, you know. And uh, on that movie, that particular movie, Tucker, uh, Francis has a, a great uh, uh, childlike side to him. And uh, there's a real sense of play working with him and, uh, so that was a great experience. But that 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 sense of uh, of love, you know, most of the stories that you you know we 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 do and the characters, it all has to do with love in one way or another. You're either not getting enough or you're celebrating it or something, you know. Well, it's interesting. You know, we tell we're speaking with Jeff Bridges here on Murmur. You know, we speak a lot of we tell actors don't judge a character. You know, that's sort of a, a one of the Ten Commandments. But it's funny. You're right. We don't say love the character. You know, but it's it's a kind of tool. Can you teach love? Can you teach people how to love? Or do you think there are too 
many uh, cobwebs in the way. I mean, when you see, you know, because we also there are also actors and, and filmmakers who are, uh, you know, driven and 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 you you even it's funny, you know, your brother Bo once called you a sloth, you know, in the sense of how you bring things into your world, but you called yourself selfish and as an actor that you're driven. Can we teach someone to stop and love? Is that about perspective or is that just have to be organic love? Uh, I think it's about practice, you know, mm. Mm. Uh, and uh, you mentioned the word selfish, you know, that's interesting. I suppose I am, you know, uh, selfish. I have selfish aspects, but uh, as we talk, my, my, my brain is kind of going haywire. Let it go, so man. Many, Let it go. This, it's your dime. I mean, I've played... Uh, you know, very evil people. And uh, the, uh, you know, I, I, I would think that, uh, you know, e evil uh, is, um, an evil person is a selfish person, somebody who's only looking out for themselves, you know. Mm. And uh, that's something that, you know, you talk about practicing love and, uh, and that's something I think in life, you know, gives you constant um, uh, lessons to be learned in life. You know, there's things that we we uh, we uh, resist and we fight against, and uh, those are all invitations to open our hearts and try to to love those things, love the experience of being alive. You know, whether it's um, you know, uh, you got, you know, political scene, you got Trump. Well, how are you going to, you know, it's so against what you feel. Well, let let that inspire you to create the kind of world that you want to create, you know. Well, how would you, you know, let's play the bad version of this game. If if I handed you a script about Trump, not directed by Oliver Stone, let's say directed by Francis Coppola, and that was the role, how would you get into it? Where would you start? Oh, well, I would... Uh, you know, do as much uh, research on him as I could, find out, you know, about his, how he was raised, you know, hmm. and, uh, you know, about, you know, all that sort of stuff. Well, let me go back. Would you take the role? I guess because, you know, we're suggesting uh, that empathy, you know, let's call love, let's use empathy as, yeah, a, as, a, as a cousin to love. Let's call it empathy for a second. Yeah. Can you, if I handed you this role, could you at least start on a ground zero of empathy, even if you're not a fan per se? Uh, could you get? Could you? T would you take the role? Well, that you know, that, I would think that's what I would. I would, uh, you know, you try to understand, and that's what empathy is, isn't right. it? Try to understand the other person's position, you know. Right, right, right. Right. So that's that's the that's the starting place for sure. W would you reach out to him? Would you reach out to his team? Would you go to that level if you took on oh, the role? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, probably. That's a, yeah, probably what. It's interesting. Um, I was thinking about your life a little bit. I was thinking about experience. You know, I wonder if certain things are still important. You know, you and correct this record if if I'm off on my facts here, but you were a teenager and you joined the Coast Guard Reserve. Um, where you were in for seven years or so. And, um, and I was thinking about life experience. Do you think life experience is part of the alchemy of being an actor? Do you think young actors or emerging actors are skipping over this idea of life experience? Or are we just in a different world now? Are we in a completely different world? 
Yeah, but I mean, if you're alive, you can't help but have life experiences, you know. <laughs> it's not that you have to do anything special. You just have to kind of notice what's going on. You know, one of the I think the only acting book that my parent, my dad ever gave me, mom uh, gave it as well, was um, acting the first six lessons. Yeah, Richard Boleslavsky. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Boleslavsky. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And uh, <clears throat> it's um, it, it talks about it's about this young girl who's starting out as an actor, and she she meets up with this um, old uh, kind of janitor who turns out to be a wonderful acting coach. It's an interesting book because it's not, you know, uh, it's it reads like almost like a novel. Mm. And, uh, you know, so much of it is, uh, is uh, observation, you know, and, and, uh, and um, you know, being awake in your own life, you know, not so much uh, that you have to do anything that you don't, well, we all, we all do things we don't want to do at times, and those are things to observe as well, but, um, you know, just keep it, uh, keep your mind uh, open, you know, uh, mm. and, you know, I, I find when I'm about to do a, a part, I'll, um, I'd be like a sponge, you know, as far as, you know, looking at people and say, oh, look at that. Look at the way that guy's hands are on his knee. You know, that's mm-hmm. interesting. What does that tell us? You know, you know, they, you know I, I was thinking of Brando studying monkeys in the zoo, you know, to prepare for streetcar. Toshiro Mifune uh, in Rashomon studied lions. Um, so yeah. I like this idea of, of observation. Notice when I'm, when I'm preparing for a part, it's almost almost like uh, there's a filter Mm. Or, uh, yeah, a, a filter uh, that that part uh, provides, and you're kind of seeing the world through that through that filter, and you and and there are certain things that will like ring a bell. Say, oh, there, look at that, look at that, there, that, you know, and it'll start to uh, start to build itself. I think there's a lot of subconscious preparation in roles that you're not even aware of, you know, that you do in your sleep. It's funny, I was thinking about your mom, again, teaching you how to play piano when you were young, and, you know, also, uh, you know, she was a poet, you know, and you've adopted a lot of these kind of particles in your life. I mean, what's the relationship? I, I Again, I go back to this, you know, I tell my students, interesting artists are interesting people in a sense, and that may be too cute and and exact, but do you feel the life you've led has enhanced your work, or do you really separate it? Do you separate it as a job and and a life? That's interesting. No, um, uh, I remember used to getting I used to get mad at myself. <clears throat> I'd be you know gonna have a job and I'd be in my hotel room and you know going over my lines and. All of a sudden, a lyric to a song that I would be write, I'd want to write, would come to mind, or a right. painting, right, right, or uh, something like this. And they used to kind of irritate me because I would get swept away and get and start to <coughs> to paint or do something like that. And then I noticed that whenever I engage create creatively, that uh, all of my creative juices kind of get shook up and, and stimulated and. Uh, and they all kind of inform each other, mm. you know. They all excite each other. I remember doing a movie with uh, called Fearless, and uh, you know, it's about a guy who uh, survives a plane crash in Arkansas. Amazing movie, gorgeous movie. I found myself, uh, you know, the guy was a, uh, an architect, so his architectural drawing was very precise, and he had this feeling. And no, I want to, I want to express myself in a different way. So I want, I found myself out in an art store and buying all this 
paper and ink and charcoal and everything and papering my room and just going absolutely apeshit on these <laughs> drawing all over the rooms, you amazing, know. Amazing. That's and, amazing. Uh, I had breakfast with Peter Weir, the director, the next morning, and I said, look, come up and look what I did, you know, last night. And he came up and he said, oh, well, we're going to put all these in the movie. Yeah, that's all in the movie. Of course, of course. And, uh, you, you, you were laughing at, you know, I got a kick out of you in, in the introduction when you mentioned the yin and yang of Mr. Go. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry, man. Burgess oh, Meredith. Burgess uh, was a dear friend, and, and uh, you know, I was playing this... Um, kind of a, a poet who had, uh, you know, gone AWOL from Vietnam, and we started to jam and do music. And right on the spot, he said, no, let's make this guy who writes uh, rock opera instead. And so he, we started writing songs together, and you just put it in the movie, you know. Amazing. I had Chris Christopherson on the show, the great Chris Christopherson. When you were working on Heaven's Gate, did you guys jam at all? I mean, I was wondering, just watching uh, Heaven's Gate again, did you guys pull out instruments? Yeah, we jammed a lot, but you know, Chris, those were wild times. Oh man. boy, yeah. Yeah, that's... Those, that was back in the day when there were all kinds of, you know, <laughs> wild substances were floating around. And Chris <laughs> was, uh, you know, he was very, he was uh, totally on the wagon, didn't partake with any of us. Mm. And all the rest of us jammed pretty much every day, you know. But no, I, I didn't jam with Chris much. We we, we became friends, you know. We we yeah. hang out, uh, yeah. you know, whenever we're around each other, we love to you know get together and we share. A uh, dear friend uh, in Stephen Bruton was also instrumental in Crazy Heart. He was a dear friend of T Bone Burnett's as well. They grew up together, and I think also you know you could <clears throat> you can invite people to participate you know people you get uh, you know it's, it's interesting I mean I'm maybe getting off subject here but go I'm for it man there's no such thing go for it yeah I'm just thinking you know in in, uh, in acting uh, in the movies especially <clears throat> um, there's so many distractions you know I mean it's all there's a art great artificial quality about the thing you know there's cameras and there's people around and how do you how do you maintain your concentration and that kind of thing? And one of the things that I try to do is it's like uh, like we're all in, impulses in the same brain, you know. It's mm -hmm. like they, so they don't become uh, distractions, but they become partners. You know, everything is like totally in, in it together. You know, if somebody comes, if some if if a stranger comes onto the set. I'll go over to them and greet them and welcome them, you know, bring them in, you know. Mm. So mm. it's not a, uh, if I catch their eye or something. Because basically, you know, as actors, we're, we represent what, what it's like to be live, and we're, we're, we're representing that, you know. And there's so many, there's, you know, working, that's the great thing about making movies or, you know, or, you know, acting, whether it's on stage or in film, is. Is working with all those other, all those people, you know. Sort of at a midbeat here with Jeff Bridges. And I was thinking, you, it's funny you talk. It's like a tri a tribe. I think you're good at tribes, or you seem to thrive in the tribe. And it does seem like there's entropy there, and and that's a good thing. I've never heard of an actor, let alone a PA, who's when they see a stranger on the set, 
goes over to them. I love that. That actually gave me goosebumps as you were describing it, because as you know, it's often such an insulated environment. So I love the fact that you're opening up that synapse, um, you know, if we're going to use this human body as a metaphor. I want, I want to skip over a few other uh, cliches about acting and get your take on them. And I was thinking, going back to Brando, something he said, he said, acting is the easiest job I'll ever have. This was right before he passed away. He said, because we're all acting, each of us, every day. What do you what do you think about that? Where do you come down on that? Yeah, yeah, I think we're all, you know, we're all actors. We all uh we all uh, you know, do our roles and we and the uh, you know, we that's something that's something that to kind of work work against in a way, you know, to to not typecast yourself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> in your own life, you know. We are all uh, actors in a way like that, you know. I was thinking of something that Jesse, your daughter, said right before Lebowski that you were having some hesitations about taking the role, and and she essentially said, "Look, you're an actor. You're you're pretending." <laughs> you know? So there's yeah. also something on that fundamental side. You know, I don't think Brando or your reaction to the simplicity of acting is an insult to the actor. It's it's a kind of it's a demystification. I think actors can think too much, and we talk a lot about actors who are in their head. Do you think acting at its core is still a simple act, or or simple on the surface, complex on the inside? Where, where do you, how do you look at the balance of simplicity and detail? Because I think you're deceptively detailed. It's mysterious, you know. Mm. Um, I get the image of a rug, you know, you have a rug, and there's a you know an under a, 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 you know, a top side and an underside to it, and uh, you know the top side looks like a beautiful picture of you know a tree and a lake and a swan or whatever you got you know, and you turn it over and it's this massive crisscrossing strings you know uh, on what appears like a perfect you know pristine image, and I don't try to figure it out with myself. I I certainly like to prepare you know I mean I, I you know I've done. I like to, um, you know, be prepared when I'm working. I, 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 I do, I'm smiling in my mind now. I'm, remi- I'm remembering uh, doing Iron Man. Uh, it was the first Marvel movie. I still think that's probably the best one for my taste, but I'm, I'm prejudiced. You know, I'm <laughs> but I remember doing that movie, and it would drive me crazy. We went... Uh, John Favreau, wonderful director and actor, and um, and uh, Downey, you know, uh, we were we rehearsed for a couple of weeks because we didn't like the the way the script was. We wanted to change things, and we we uh, did what we thought was you know a good a, you know a good um, uh, rewrite to the thing. And about a couple of days before we shot. The Marvel guy said, "Oh no, it can't be that. That's not it at all." I mean, oh my God! You know, what, all that, all that work. So, we would spend two to three hours sometimes in one of our trailers. Prior, you know, all the crew would be in the set in the sound stages waiting for us, and we'd be in our trailers writing that day's work, trying to figure out what the scene was going to say. You know? Avril would, you know, say, "Oh, I got, I've got a buddy, a writer. He, he might have an idea." And he would <laughs> describe the scene, and and uh, Downey and I would change parts, you know, say, well, "You play 
And we tried, you know, we'd, we'd be in there. It was like panicky, man. <laughs> Sounds like a Hal Ashby picture. <laughs> a little adjustment in my head made all the difference for me. And that adjustment was, Jeff, just relax. You are making a $200 million student film. Just relax. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> and thank God they had John Favreau and, and um, you know, at the helm because he was, he was, uh, God, he handled all the suits so well and all, in the creative energy. He never got frustrated or down. And, you know, he was able to make it all work. And, uh, and of course, uh, you know, Downey, man, he's so, you know, just so, such a wonderful improvisation uh, guy. You know I mean? We, we, we ended up being, uh, you know, Good. Bald. Many ways, many ways to go. But I love to, you know, I like to know my, you know, I like to figure out my lines and, you know, study the script and do all that stuff. But at the end, you got to just let it rip, you know. Well, thank God you would work with Hal Ashby. So you know how to just kind of make it up a little bit as you go, go along. And I, I, I Oh, my God. That's what, you know, Hal. Uh, Poor Hal. But I, I mean, the, the, Bo made his Bo made his first movie, The Landlord, right. and I made his last one. And um, I didn't have a very good experience. Well, I had a wonderful experience working with Hal, but it was one of the you know the saddest uh, experiences for me because the uh, the producers took the film away from Hal, fired him, didn't let him edit the film, uh. and then. Uh, Proceeded to just edit it against the grain, you know. I mean, that's you know that Hal was always fighting those battles. Yep. The, the great ones always seem to be. Uh, speaking with Jeff Bridges, a couple more quickies. You know, I was thinking of something Orson Welles said about the actor and intelligence, and he said this, I think, as a compliment. He said sometimes intellect works against the actor. Essentially, that an actor doesn't need to be intelligent. And I, I, let's look at this clinically for a second. Do you think an actor needs to be a smart human being? No, no, no. I don't think so. Do you, do you think arguably it could be a block? And again, this I'm not saying this tongue-in-cheek or for shits and giggles. Do you think sometimes, you know, we talk about actors getting in their head. Do you think an intelligent actor can sometimes be a blocked actor? Huh. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at myself because I, you know, I don't know, you know, it's all opinions and stuff when you're judging other people's work, but sure. I know my own self. Um, yeah, I can get in my in my head too much, you know. Uh, I try to, um, you know, one of the things I, I I like to do is to really empower the director to uh, have power over me, you know, to give him that power. So I can uh, kind of transcend my own um, ideas, you know, and, and not not just simply portray myself or my ideas. I'd like to kind of give it up um, to the director. And, uh, and then there's this kind of a spiritual or I don't know, you get into the kind of the mystical aspects of it, uh, you know, or to, to give it up to God or, you know, the whole that whole thy will be done, you know, that that idea, you know, to to um, to give it up, you know, not to uh, not to have it all figured out and then do that thing. That's you know, that's the that's one of the toughest um, things uh, I find uh, with acting. Um, you know, is the uh, is you you'll do a take 
and you'll say, oh, that was pretty damn good, man. Yeah, we really felt real and everything was cooking. Let's do another one like that. And uh, you try to you know, repeat that thing somehow or to you know, augment it. And the, the, the real trick that I find is, is you want to get back to that emptiness mm. that that good thing came out of, you mm. know, get back to that original empty thing. And that, uh, you know, it's that, it's that what's happening just before they say action, you know, that's, that's, you know, how do you, you know, what do you do in that space? You know? Well, that, that's why it's your old buddy, Clint Eastwood, doesn't say action. You know, he thinks that moment yeah. constipates the actor, you know, and it's. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. That's one of the cool things about the digital you know, shoot film now, you know, where you're not film, but they're just the digital, uh, you know, making movies on digital, uh, you, um, you can do a bunch of takes just on one, you know, it's not precious, the film isn't as precious, so you can do it, you can do many takes on one slate, you know, because you'll, you'll, certain things will happen right after a take, uh, that if you say, you know, okay, now, all right, cut, all right, now, we got to fix that light, and all, and all these little things that you've, kind of learned uh, go, you know, the yeah. little space. But if you can go pretty quick, that uh, that helps, I think, sometimes. Would you want to direct? think you'd be a good director? Uh, I probably would be a pretty good director. I don't know if I want to do it, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get a little, you know, um, it's such a collaborative art form that uh, I get, you know, some of my, that, that, uh, that uh, directing, uh, you know, desire gets uh, scratched by just you know doing what I do, and the, I've, and also I've, I've I've worked with a lot of um, first time directors, had wonderful wonderful experiences with working with first time guys, and uh, and uh, most of them I, that I can remember have been kind of open and saying you know what do you think Jeff you got some ideas you know they're open for that that kind of thing you know mm-hmm. so so you're kind of in there. You know, one one last thing I want to, and don't be scared by this last theme. It's it's more of a kind of suggestion of the nature of acting now. Um, I was thinking of Gene Hackman the other day. You know, Gene famously retired from acting um, and lives in New Mexico and and is out and about a little bit. But have you ever thought of retiring? And I mean, like the philosophy of, a, of an actor retiring. It's something that Daniel Day Lewis seems to say after every film. Um, I'm retiring. What does that even mean? Have you ever considered? Yeah, did Daniel Day uh, <laughs> sign off? Is he? He said. Well, let me read you. Let me read you something he said. On you know, he has a new movie coming out, and he said, "I I need to believe in the value of what I'm doing, and if an audience believes it, that should be good enough for me. But lately, it isn't. I'm finally retiring. So he seems to say he's retiring now. What do you think about that concept? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> But uh, retiring is such a it's such a funny thing. Uh, I find you know there's you know I kind of have a have a you know acting is such a, a major part of my life. I have sort of a love hate you know relationship with it. It's a, or the gamut of emotions. You know, it's like life itself. It's all of the emotions you know that you have, and. Uh, you know, there's, you know, I don't like that feeling of flop sweat, you know, anxiety about whether you're <laughs> going to do justice to the material, pull it all. You know, I can, I get that, you know, and I, I dig, uh, you know, just painting a painting you know, by yourself, you know, you just uh, kind of doing that. That's, that, you know, that's, you know, wonderful to do. And, uh, 
There's so many other things to do, but but also that said, I find I'm I'm I, this is weird. I'm I'm also uh, most at peace when I'm working because I'm so focused. Mm. You know, mm. when I'm not working, the world kind of like I I call it. I, I find myself fielding the world. You know, it's like you're an outfielder and they keep hitting balls to you. You know, you got to feel. You know, so there's something very um, focusing about the work. But I can imagine. Uh, Retiring at some point. I don't know if you know. It might be like you know, you, you know, you say you're retired, then you come back. You know, they they make you an offer <laughs> you can't refuse. It's like that Pacino line, one of the guys. <laughs> That's right. I was watching Crazy Heart, exquisite film again, and one of the great modern performances, Oscar award-winning performance, uh, richly deserved. You're not one to call yourself an iconic actor. I do, so I'll call you that. I was thinking about you know the scenes with you and Bobby Duvall when you act with the Bobby Duvall, or if you do a scene with an actor of that ilk, of your ilk, do you think this is the varsity? You know, I'm with cinema history here, or do you have to kind of beta block that out? And I'm not trying to sound geeky here. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, Bob Bob Duvall, bless his yeah. heart, isn't going to be doing 20 more movies, you know? Yeah. So do you do you embrace that, or is that too nostalgic for the art well, form? it's, um, I remember, uh, you know, mentioning that movie, The Yin and Yang of Mr. Go. <laughs> it's all about that, Jeff. <laughs> that's, that's such a weird story behind that. But uh, James Mason played a Chinese Mexican in that movie. Of course. <laughs> and, uh, of course. And, and had all these wonderful, you know, Burgess Meredith, Jackie McGowan, you know. And they, I remember just sitting around and, you know, hearing these guys recite Joyce and, you know, oh, we had just a wonderful time for a young kid. I must have been 19. And, of course, I was in awe of these older guys, you know, and, and you know, really wanting to, you know, I was uh, I was anxious, you know. And uh, I just loved it that James Mason, um, I was already friends with Burgess before, but James kind of went out of his way to Say, you know, I'm nothing special, man. I'm just one of you guys, you know. Mm. It's a little older, you know, but it's no, it's no big, you know, there's no no difference, really. We're all, we're just playing, we're, you know. He, you know, he burst the bubble, you know, uh, which is, um, that's just such a great thing. Uh, I try to do that with young guys that I'm working with, you know, we're just, you know, we're, just, we're all, on the, we're, you know, n n nothing to it, you know, just, we're just uh, playing, man, you know, mm. keep it loose. Mm. And Bob, you know, had that same thing. There's a kind of a wonderful, um, I don't know, I find it anyway, uh, kind of a fraternal, but what's, what's a, a, was it a club or a tribe is your word? That's a good tribe with actors, you know, where we all know about, you know, flop sweat and we all know about, uh, you know, the anxiety and what it feels like to really, you know, really inhabit a character. We know all those things and. And there's a so you there's a camaraderie kind of built in, you know, and you 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 uh, there's a familiarity, you know, that you kind of immediately feel, uh, or I do to most most actors. There's some some actors that you know only want you to call them by their character's name and don't really engage in a more uh, you know casual way. But uh, I find most most of them do. Mm. We were talking about before as we wrap up with Jeff Bridges generously giving us his time. We were talking about uh, meeting your wife, making a movie, and how much you know movies have given you. In a way, they've given you life, a life. You know, you would have gotten it anyway, but you know, from your mom and your dad and through, you know, movies have given you so much. So let me ask you in closing: What do you think you've given the art form? What do you think you've given back? 
What am I giving back? Hmm. Now, th- th- I'm challenging your most modest impulses when I ask you that. Um, I could tell you what you've given back, but it's not. I'm wondering what you do. You feel you've repaid what acting has given to you. Given to you, let's say. Well, I, um, you know, uh, you know, a couple of things come to mind. That word love comes to mind. You know, my father and my mother. Uh, I was very well loved. You know, uh, as a kid, and uh, and my father. You know, I talk about. Um, uh, love as far as um, being an actor and uh, and um, uh, you know how all of the stories are about love in some kind of way mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um, I just saw a wonderful performance I just felt like mentioning her name with uh, Judy Dench what an incredible actor you she honored is. her you honored her recently I honored her yeah. gave her an award yeah. we you know I got to hang out with her just a little bit and uh, you know that the the love and it's an honor to represent People, you know, to be a, an actor is a wonderful, wonderful profession. And I've done my best to, uh, to, um, uh, you know, radiate, um, radiate love, man. You know, the, the other thing, you know, this is again, you know, from my father. This is from my, you know, uh, both of my parents. But um, acting uh, and the, the degree of fame that it's given me has allowed me to. Uh, also show that uh, love for um, you know humanity in other ways. I'm really involved in um, a ending childhood hunger in America. So that fame and that comes from the you know from the movies. I'm able to to do that and spread the word on that. And, and uh, that's something I you know that uh, I think I've, I've uh, you know given back. I bring my filmmaking students. We once a semester we volunteer at a soup kitchen in an agnostic way, and it's not to force them to do service, but it's to make them see that something there's something bigger than them. Um, and when I think of you, I think your work has always spoken to that, that nothing is in a vacuum. Everything is connected. It's funny. I was thinking about some of your friends who have who've tried to describe you, and you were talking about T-Bone Burnett, quote, a lot of people think the dude is Jeff, but the character in Starman is closest because mm-hmm. ev- because everything is marvelous to Jeff. So I want to say on behalf of uh, the people who observed your work, you are marvelous. You, you are a marvelous artist, and I want to thank you, man. And I'll just say one last caveat. This is just for the fun and shits and giggles. I first emailed uh, your team to do this five years ago. Um, so it's been an honor to try to arrange this for the last five years, man. And hopefully the next time we do it, we can do it in person and yeah. and talk about anything you want. Yeah, sorry it's taking so long. <laughs> You're kind of busy, Jeff. Yeah, man. <laughs> Take care of yourself. You are marvelous, man. All good things to you and the family. All right. Same to you, Robert. Thanks. Good hanging, man. Cheers, man. Be well. You too. I wanted to mention five years, but not in a in a disrespectful way. <laughs> uh, but you know, anyway, it has been five years. Imagine you know having something for five years. Uh, uh, this is this metaphor is going nowhere, but I'm just saying that it's, it was really cool to have Jeff after all this time, and so much to take out of that. I I love the fact you know that he and Fe- John Favreau and Robert Downey Jr. Sort of making it up, you know, in the trailer. Uh, hey, do we know anyone who can solve this? Do we know any writers? It's cool, you know. There's that. There's another story about Kubrick during the making of Full Metal Jacket. 
the the end of the film is one of the last things they shot, and every day he would ask Matthew Modine, keep thinking about that ending. What do you think about that ending? What do you think about that ending? And ultimately, you know, he leaned on the actors to kind of help solve the ending. And I don't know if they were, <laughs> that's a heavy weight when a Stanley Kubrick says, keep thinking about that ending. I was also thinking about Marlon Brando, a little bit more about Brando, once... Um, he was once asked, what is the best piece of direction you ever got? And he referenced the making of Last Tango in Paris, 1972, Bertolucci directing, Bernardo Bertolucci, Maria Schneider. And uh, he said before in pre-production, I think it was relatively close to the start of shooting, they went to the Louvre and they were observing these amazing Francis Bacon paintings. And those Francis Bacon paintings are the opening credit sequence of that film. And Brando and Bertolucci happened upon one of them, and Bertolucci pointed at the painting and said, Marlon, I want you to act the character like that painting. So that was the best acting note he had ever received. I, I, I liked looking at Jeff in a different way today. I, I, I liked, you know, this idea that acting is a new version of life. These are new characters, but they're also portrayed by people with a life. So it's also an extension of life. Um, and that's complicated or complex. I like complex. And next time someone says, you're complicated, just say, I'm complex. It's a much more interesting way to look at something that has multiple factors to it, something that has a lot of details that comes out very simply. And that's what acting is. And every actor has a different philosophy, no matter, obviously, if they've trained with the same acting teacher in the same classes for the same length of time, everyone receives that information differently. So in that way, I find acting to be, we have to look at each conversation about acting to be a conversation about acting with that actor and not speak for the legions of people who think they can act or want to act or don't think they can act but want to act. And it goes back to Brando and to Jeff and to other actors who said, you know, we act every day. All of us are actors. I always use the clunky example to my students of, you know, choosing what socks you wear is a is a piece of motivation for the larger picture of the day, whether it's comfort, whether it's style, you know. So these choices, we asked act actors to make choices. Acting is making choices. Human beings make choices every day. And that's no different than the stratagem, the spider stratagem <laughs> directed by Bernardo Berlucci. That's no different than the stratagem of being a human being, being an actor. You chose to listen to us. We thank you. We And Jeff Bridges chose, after five years, to join us. We want to thank Jeff Bridges for being with us here today. MurmurRadio.com. Download us. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram. I sound like Master Thespian. The John Lovitz sketch. Oh, I used to love that. John Lithgow, John Lovitz. Google Master Thespian today, Saturday Night Live. MurmurRadio.com. Thank you, Jeff Bridges. Thank you, listener. It's a cozy day. I'm looking out the window. I'm going to watch some movies today. Uh, go be cozy. Enjoy your day. See you soon. <laughs>